Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's January 24th, 2024, World Communications Day in the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Faith on this, the, free, the Feast of St. Francis de Sales, who is also the patron of Catholic Journalists. More on that from Joan Lewis a little bit later on the program. Coming up right after the news, we're going to be checking in with Mark Randall. He's a National Prayer Catholic or Catholic Prayer Breakfast event chairman. It's something that we carry on EW10, a wonderful event. And it's right around the corner. It's coming up in early February. A beautiful theme, and he'll tell us all about it, directly tied, of course, to the Eucharist because of the Eucharistic revival and also because of the Eucharistic Congress coming up in the summer. So Mark joins us at 15 minutes past the hour. Melissa Henson joins us from the Parents TV and Media Council. She's the VP. And there's some new information which actually ties into the World Communications Day statement today, all about technology. And in terms of the Parents TV and Media Council, Melissa will be talking about the impact technology has on children, how these technological companies are really, in many ways, trying to take advantage of our kids. So she'll give us uh, the warning signs and also some advice on how to protect our children. And then, as I mentioned... Wrapping up on a Wednesday, we have Joan Lewis with the latest Vatican News. Now, the weather, I mean, can you believe this? They're going to be, there's going to be really warm temperatures in parts of the country today compared to last week. It's just from one extreme to the other. So here's what the National Weather Service is saying. We have flash flood threats across the south, and then there's a wintry mix or parts of the Great Lakes in the northeast. But even in our area in southeastern Michigan, we went from sub-zero temperatures to, I don't know, close to 40 today, which is pretty mild for January in Michigan. And then again next week, we're going all the way up to, I think, 50 degrees to the end of January, which is pretty crazy. So right now, the National Weather Service is saying we have heavy rainfall and thunderstorms affecting portions of the south through tonight. Flash flooding, they're saying, is the primary hazard alongside a few of the thunderstorms that may contain a few tornadoes and damaging winds across southern Louisiana and Mississippi. Parts of the Great Lakes in the Northeast will see a wintry mix, and that's expected to impact travel. And in the Pacific Northwest, heavy rain continues in that area. California has been getting clobbered, and they're still doing a lot of cleanup there. So be careful again, a time of year where the weather can be, you know, pretty iffy and in some ways dangerous, especially with the heavy rainfall and icy rain. Freezing rain is a big problem. It was in our area yesterday. It is three minutes past the hour, so appreciate your listenership. You are listening to EWTN. Check us out online, EWTN.com. Let's get started with the news on a Wednesday, World Communications Day, and the Feast of St. Francis de Sales. Well, more than half of the rural hospitals in the country lack maternity care. That, according to a recent report from the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform, it found that labor shortages and economic troubles are causing rural facilities to stop offering labor and delivery services. According to that report, more than 200 rural hospitals across the country have stopped delivering babies within the past 10 years. Researchers say mothers and babies in communities that don't have this access are at a greater risk of complication and death. As we mentioned, the Holy Father releasing his message for the 2024 World Day of Social Communications on this Feast of St. Francis de Sales, patron of Catholic journalists, focusing on the theme, artificial intelligence, and the wisdom of the heart toward a full human communication. Celebrated on May 12th, this year's theme is closely tied to the Holy Father's message to the World Day of Peace, which was devoted to the development of systems of artificial intelligence. AI, he says, is radically affecting the world of information and communications and through it certain foundations of life in society. He's adding that these changes affect everyone. The Holy Father also noting at this time in history, which risks becoming rich in technology and poor in humanity, our reflections must begin, he says, with the human heart. And three days after the abduction of six nuns and two of their companions traveling with them in Port-au-Prince, the leaders of the Haitian bishops and religious are again appealing to the kidnappers for their immediate release. The bishop also inviting residents in Haiti to join in a day of prayer for all hostages. As Lisa Zangarini reports in the Vatican, they're inviting all priests, religious men and women, and lay faithful to organize what they're calling a chain of incessant prayer for the release of the kidnapped people and their families. 
The abduction was the latest in a long series committed by armed gangs that have virtually taken over the country. The two church leaders expressed their sympathy with the relatives of all those held captive in Haiti and again urged the government to crack down on gang violence, saying Haitians are tired of the reign of terror imposed by armed groups. They recalled that on several occasions the church has denounced the silence of the authorities on this scourge, which they said amounts to an attitude of contempt for people's suffering. Archbishop Mesidor and Father Bonhomme then invited all priests, religious men and women and lay faithful to join in a day of prayer on January the 24th for the release of the kidnapped people and for their families. Gangs have grown more powerful in Haiti since the assassination of President Jovenel Moise in 2021 and they are estimated to control up to 80% of the capital Port-au-Prince as well as other areas of the country. An estimated 3,000 people were kidnapped by gangs in 2023, 80% more than the previous year. In other news this morning, freezing rain and snow expected to cause, as we mentioned in the National Weather Service report, lots of headaches in the central part of the country and elsewhere today. The National Weather Service again is warning of a lot of rain, but also possible icy roads and power outages from the Midwest to the Northeast Cleanup and recovery efforts underway in Southern California after heavy rainfall pounded that region. The White House says discussions over a ceasefire in Israel are sober and serious. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby did not comment on that report but said serious discussions with Mideast advisor Brett McGurk about a hostage deal are happening which would require a humanitarian pause of some length to get that done and that's definitely on the agenda. Israel says it gave Hamas a proposal including up to two months of a pause in fighting as part of a deal that includes the release of all hostages in Gaza. He said getting hostages out, Kirby added, is the priority. He added the U.S. would support humanitarian pause on the war despite vetoing a ceasefire. North Korea reportedly, reportedly as Michael Kastner tells us, firing missiles off its west coast. South Korean and U.S. officials released a statement saying multiple cruise missiles were fired into the sea early Wednesday and that further activities by the North were being monitored. The missile launch comes as the South Korean Navy has been conducting training drills along its east coast near the North Korean border. South Korea's defense minister is condemning the missile launches and calls them a serious threat to his country. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin making his first public appearance since his controversial hospitalization. He took part in a virtual meeting yesterday with nations providing Ukraine and military assistance. He did not directly speak about his recent hospitalization that involved complications of a prostate cancer procedure. Mark Mayfield tells us former President Donald Trump one step closer to the Republican presidential nomination after winning the New Hampshire primary. While speaking to his supporters, Trump called out former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who says she plans to stay in the race for the White House. The former president predicted he'll easily win South Carolina next month. The win cements Trump's role as the clear frontrunner for the party's 2024 presidential nomination. And as you just heard, Nikki Haley says she's not going anywhere. She's staying in the race for the White House after losing the New Hampshire primary. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. She told her supporters that, again, it's not over, saying there are dozens of states left and challenged Trump to a debate. Pundits say Haley must have a respectable finish in South Carolina in the Republican primary there next month to have any shot at the GOP nomination. On the Democratic side, Joe Biden won New Hampshire's primary as a write-in candidate. He did not appear on the ballot following an internal party dispute between New Hampshire and National Democrats over which contest will lead the nominating process. And Dean Phillips says Democrats, meanwhile, need an alternative to President Biden. Donald Trump is on a big mission to win, and Joe Biden is going to get creamed. And I just wish Democrats would wake up. Minnesota Congressman is running for that nomination for the Democratic Party and said he's talked to Trump supporters in New Hampshire. And he says there are thoughtful people who come from a varied political background and who think Biden is simply wrong for the country. Again, Biden was not listed on the New Hampshire ballot. Brian Shook tells us the CEO of Alaska Airlines says new inspections of Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes found that many had loose bolts. 
In an interview with NBC News, CEO Ben Minicucci talked about the company's findings since the January 5th incident in which a panel blew out mid-flight on a plane with 177 people. The FAA ordered all the MAX 9s grounded following the incident, with Alaska Airlines feeling the effects for weeks. The company has had to cancel and rearrange its flight schedule, as its fleet has the highest percentage of MAX 9 planes among major carriers. And another reminder regarding Boeing, they're ordering a one-day quality stand-down at one of its factories in Washington as concerns over those safety issues continue to mount. The workers at the plant say they'll get together to work on quality issues and come up with concrete plans. Charles Osgood has passed away. It's been a great run, but after nearly 50 years at CBS, including the last 22 years here at Sunday morning, the time has come. The longtime anchor of CBS News Sunday morning, passing away at the age of 91. He also produced the Osgood File, his radio commentaries that ran from 1971 until 2017. CBS reports he died yesterday at his home in New Jersey. His family said he was suffering from dementia. The Los Angeles Times announcing mass layoffs as it cuts about a quarter of its staff. California's largest daily paper laying off 115 people from its newsroom. The cuts were anticipated, but unionized journalists did stage a one-day work stoppage last week in protest. The L.A. Times owner says the paper is losing between 30 and 40 million a year. And Thomas Cates tells us, according to a University of Georgia study, a new Alzheimer's drug may not bring noticeable benefits. Last summer, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration fully approved the first drug shown to slow the progress of Alzheimer's. But new research from the University of Georgia suggests that patients may not experience any benefit from the drug in their daily lives. Lakembi is supposed to be a more economical treatment for early-stage Alzheimer's, but experts remain skeptical that the drug provided enough benefit to justify the cost and potential side effects. Researchers found that most studies showed the monoclonal antibody drugs like Lakembe led to statistically significant improvements in cognitive function, but Lakembe did not show clinical significant improvements in memory or behaviors. A bill designed to prevent the removal of historical monuments making its way through the Florida legislature. A Senate committee there approving a measure Monday that would stop local governments from removing or destroying statues. It would also give Governor Ron DeSantis a power to suspend officials who violate that order. It is a Wednesday. It's January 24, 2024. It is a feast day of St. Francis de Sales, patron saint of journalists, especially Catholic journalists. And it's also World Communications Day. And we'll talk about that with Joan Lewis. Before that, though, after the break, we're going to learn all about the beautiful National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, which is coming up in D.C. right around the corner. And then we'll take a look about some new information regarding children and technology, always an important topic. And then, as I mentioned, we'll wrap up with Joan Lewis on a Wednesday. She'll have all the information on the World Communications Day Statement, plus the audience and the Holy Father. Don't forget, if you're going out or traveling at all, we have flash flood threats across the south and wintry mixes or parts of the Great Lakes and northeast. So we have flooding issues and also freezing rain on the roads, which can be a real, real danger and also slowing things down at the airports because whenever there's freezing rain or snow, there's de-icing. So add about an extra hour to your travels. Just saying for somebody who travels a lot. Anyhow, we'll travel to the break, and when we come back, talk about the National Care Breakfast. It is prayer breakfast. It is a Wednesday morning, January 24th. We'll be right back. K. Roos Jewelry has made it their mission to provide custom jewelry at unbeatable prices. As a master diamond setter with 45 years of experience, Tony K. Ruse will create the perfect engagement ring, anniversary gift, or even do complex repairs at a fraction of the cost. Visit K. Ruse Jewelry at 504 Main Street in Belleville next to T-Mobile or call 734-444-2323. That's 734-444-2323. Join us at the Maryville Retreat Center in Holly this Lenten season for a fabulous faith-filled February. We offer several occasions for you to find quiet, healing, and to help you encounter the Lord's merciful love. Father Jason Brooks will offer a multifaceted healing service. Father Craig Marion will give an intimate look into the healing power of forgiveness. And Teresa Tamio and her husband Deacon Dom will inspire couples to remember their love story and rekindle romance. For more information, visit MaryvilleRetreatCenter.org. Come visit and let God find you. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. 
It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry, providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. a beautiful day. It is a Wednesday. Despite some of the crazy weather out there, be safe and stay tuned right here to EWTN. Excited to help promote the beautiful event, the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. We have the event chair, Mark Randall, with us. And Mark, boy, I love the theme this year. We really need this theme. Tell us, first of all, thanks for joining us about the theme for the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. Yeah, thank you. Good morning to you and your listeners. Um, yeah, we're excited as well. This, you know, this is our 19th uh, annual event. Um, and, you know, we, we don't put a lot of effort into a theme each year. We just sort of come together the months before and say, what, what do we need to pray about? What, what's going on in the world right now? And we've been, uh, last year we highlighted the National Eucharistic Congress, um, mm-hmm. the revival that's going to happen this summer in Indianapolis and been going on for two years. And you know, every year I stand at the podium, I say it's never been more important ever than to pray for our country and our leaders. But boy, again, this year, uh, especially in light of all the persecution that's happening around the world uh, for Christians. And so uh, the, the long title is Be of Good Cheer, the Eucharist, the Source and Summit of Our Faith. So we're combining with our speakers and our theme and our prayer uh, that morning, coming up in just two weeks, uh, that very idea, the idea that um, even in these dark times that the Eucharist uh, is the Source and Summit, and, uh, you know, highlighting the real presence of our Lord um, in, in our prayer and in our worship. Uh, a lot of things happening that morning, but um, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's coming up quickly. I think the first part, that first phrase, be of good cheer, is so important because it, it can be very difficult and daunting to be joyful at times. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits uh, that everybody who comes to this event uh, realizes is that, you know, on our own, uh, the world is a dark place, but when we come together, you know, wherever two or more are gathered, uh, as Scripture tells us, uh, when you come in that room and you're with over a thousand people, and we're praying together, we're talking, we're, we're, we have a great sense of fraternity and fellowship, um, we realize, you know what, we're not in this alone. Right. Uh, and certainly in the Mass the night before, uh, you know, it, it reemphasizes that fact as well. Well, also, I mean, look at what just happened in Washington last Friday, the March for Life. I was there covering it for EWTN, and some people say, well, why do you still go? Why do you still do this year after year? There is such an important aspect of coming together and knowing that you're not alone. No, that's that's absolutely right. And, um, that you know, that, that event is, uh, I would say, we're, we're the largest annual gathering of Catholics in our nation's capital, second only to the March for Life. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the dinner and the events that are around that, uh, it's such a joyful spirit, even even in the dark times, uh, when we come together. And, we, you know, we know we win in the end. And we know that we have the, the grace and mercy and love of our God. And what a blessing it is to come together and celebrate that. We're talking with Mark Randall, the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast event chair. So, Mark, before we give all the housekeeping details, I know it's Thursday, February 8th, and we'll give some more information, but I'm always curious to, to find the backstory. How did you get involved in this event? Sure. So our, one of our co-founders, Joe Sella, um, you know, over 20 years ago now, uh, was, was participating in the National Prayer Breakfast, which is, is actually a week from uh, to, uh, to, tomorrow, uh, and that's an evangelical event. It's been going on a very long time. And Joe kind of stepped away and talked to a few others and said, you know what, we, we're Catholics. We pray too. Why don't we do something like this? And, uh, you know, that was during the pontificate of, of St. John Paul II and his call to the new evangelization. Um, it all sort of just came together. And that very first event was, was, was pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But, boy, we had some amazing speakers that year. Uh, and, and we have had over the years, um, you know, everything from uh, presidents of the United States, Supreme Court, justices, members of the administration, cardinals, bishops, 
theologians. I mean, the, the list is long, um, but we're, we're so honored that, that not only we have a lot of people that want to come together and pray with us, but we always have uh, a great roster of speakers who are willing to travel to Washington and, and share their, their wisdom with, with our group. But how did you get involved? How did you get cooked oh, into this? Well, oh, okay, sure. So, yeah, I was just attending, uh, and I, I knew Joe uh, Seloff and several other board members, and I was actually went back to Illinois, uh, where I was living at the time, and founded the Illinois Catholic Prayer Breakfast mm. with a couple of good friends, including Brian Birch from Catholic Vote. I don't know him. And, Great guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, we did it there, and then they asked me to be on the board, and then uh, I was asked to be the event chair, and so I've been doing that for about eight years now. But, wow. Uh, it really is a labor of love. It, it's it's some work, and we're a very small team. It's amazing if people knew how few people it is that come together to put this on. It's it's shocking, but you know, again, with God's grace, and uh, it's it's a it's a great work of mercy and joy. Okay, so now for all the great details, where is it in D.C.? What time does it start? I know it's on February eighth, and and also the speakers. Sure. Yeah, so Thursday, February 8th at the Marriott Marquis in Washington, D.C. All the details are available at CatholicPrayerBreakfast.com. Um, we'll, we start early and we wrap up in two hours. So, you know, even for folks that have to work that day in Washington, you can come and be back to your desk by 9.30, no problem. Um, but we, we open, we pray, we say the pledge, we recite the Divine Mercy Chapel together. Uh, we'll present our Christe Fidelis Leici Award for Lifetime Service in the Catholic Faith to Helen, Helen Alvarez this year. We're very excited oh, about that. Oh, I love that. her. She's amazing. She, she's great. She is so good. Yeah. She, she was our keynote in 2013 and one of the most popular speakers we've ever had, so we're delighted to have her back. And then our keynote is uh, Bishop William Byrne of um, the mm. Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts, but is uh, you know used to be a priest of the Dice, Archdiocese of Washington and a beloved uh, figure in Washington. So we're thrilled to have him back. Um, and then we wrap we wrap up uh, around nine o'clock. There's several other elements in there. I'm kind of giving you the highlights, but sure. um, tickets are still available. Uh, we have a beautiful mass the night before that will be celebrated by Bishop Anabe from Nigeria. Who you know, of course, is is one of the the, the the strongholds in the fight against the persecuted Christians there, mm-hmm. and we have a little nice reception. So, again, all those details at CatholicBurrowPreakfast dot com. Uh, we'd love to have all of your listeners join us if possible. Yeah, and I know the EW Ten will be there as they are every year. What does it feel yeah. like? Because I know what it feels like after I, I leave the March for Life. You feel buoyed, you feel encouraged, you realize just how big the movement is, and you're saying that you're you're going to have at least a thousand people, probably more this year. I mean, is it too late to register? You could still register, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that the, the room we're in is the second largest ballroom in Washington D.C., and so we max out at around twelve hundred. Um, but yeah, you know what I can tell you, Teresa, is that nobody wants to leave. And that's mm-hmm. always an issue because you know they have to turn that room over. But as I as we leave and we're wrapping up, it's nine thirty, it's ten thirty. We have a, a, a mass after and so on and so forth. But people just love being together, and it's on a work day, and it's early in the morning. People have to get up at five five thirty in the morning to make it downtown in order to start at seven, and people are just joyful. The whole morning is joyful, and and people tell me that you know this is the one event that they they see some people only once a year because they travel from all over the country. And so it's just, it's, a, it's kind of a family reunion in, in our nation's capital. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because it is, it is a quick event, a powerful one, but people coming in from all over the country for two or three hours, that says a lot, doesn't it? I think so. I think so. Um, and, and, you know, we were always, uh, there's a great event at the Museum of the Bible that we partnered with them on, so there's a couple other add-on events. But, sure, you know, we, we can't, uh, we can't uh, diminish the, the power of being together. Uh, and as, as we said, a bit to be of good cheer for two hours and, and pray for our country and our leaders. Have you seen it, it grow to involve, let's say, maybe more young people who are in, in, in different Catholic apostolates? Or are there any changes that you've noticed in the attendees or, or just keeps... Uh, the, the repeats keep coming and bringing other people with them? Well, I would say that the mix in the room, although those thousand-plus people, I mean, religious, of course. Um, we, of course, have a great, strong Catholic young community, young adult community in Washington. Um, you know, we have some, some older folks that have been coming every year now for almost 20 years. We have business leaders. We have, uh, we, I think we have 10 different members of Congress uh, coming this year. Um, so the, the mix in the room actually is is very um, edifying that that this mission, this idea, this apostolate uh, is is worthy uh, just based on the variety of folks in that room that morning. Yeah, I think it's great, and it, it is so important. 
it sounds kind of, I don't know, cliche, but when you come together with other people, I mean, what, what does the Lord tell us, as you said earlier, right, when two or three are gathered in his name, the same with the March for Life, the same with this. We need to be there for each other and to remind each other that we're not alone. I mean, we still would have to do what we have to do because of, of what we believe and in whom, but to be together with like-minded folks who are just really opening ourselves, it all has to start there with prayer. Mark, God love you for all your hard work with this. Thanks so much. And give us the uh, the website again for more information. Sure, it's catholicprayerbreakfast.com. All the information is there, and you can register and purchase tickets online. And has the weather calmed down? Because Friday we had snow coming in sideways when I was covering March for life. <laughs> I know, I know. I was, I was out there as well. It was, it was a little difficult day, but Mama I don't know. We'll see. It's two weeks out in D.C. You never know, but yeah. it, it should be fine. Yeah. Listen, I hope it is packed to the gills, and I hope you sell out, which I know you do every year, and we'll be looking forward on EWTN as well. Mark Randall is a National Catholic Prayer Breakfast event chair. Beautiful event if you're in that area where you can make it. There's still room Thursday, February 8th at the Marriott Marquis Hotel in our nation's capital. We'll be right back. Always important to check in with Melissa Henson, who is the Parents Television Council and Media Council Vice President, an excellent resource for parents, especially when it comes to the media. Recently pending a piece for The Hill on how big tech is preying on our children for profit and why Congress needs to take action to stop this and enact protections for children online. Melissa, always great to catch up with you. So give us a summary of your piece on The Hill and why, why this issue is so important. Yeah. Well, they've been pending in front of Congress now for a few years, a few sessions, um, various bills designed to protect kids online. We've got the Kids Online Safety Act. We've got the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. We've got the Earn It Act. Um, and I know there are several others. Um, and coming up next week, the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to be bringing in uh, executives from many of the top social media companies to talk about keeping kids safe online. But the thing is, you know, there have been a number of hearings at this point. Um, and these social media companies have dabbled along the margins, you know, with with um, minor uh, improvements to make it slightly safer for kids, or at least to give parents a little bit of reassurance so that they're more comfortable letting their kids stay on these platforms. But they're not moving fast enough, and they're not doing nearly enough to keep kids safe especially because we know that these social media companies are well aware of the dangers that their product poses to impressionable kids. You know, Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, they did their own internal investigation Mm -hmm. and found that they make body image worse for like three out of five teenage girls. Um, They know that their product has been linked to um, suicidal ideation they know that their algorithms are feeding dangerous content to kids. They're they're well aware of this stuff, and they're doing little to nothing to to pre- prevent this stuff from falling into the hands of children and to keep kids from from being able to access it. You know, the, some of the the content is just it, when you and I first started talking like 20 years ago. I mean, it, it was bad then, but it's just it's over the top now. Even now, I'm watching on 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 some networks. Even the, the commercials now are getting so over-sexualized and showing particular mm-hmm. agendas, right? And I right. think what's, what's so scary is, is that parents, maybe we've been desensitized. It's like that frog in, in the water and you slowly pour up the heat. There is an effort, I'm trying to remember which state it's in, but they're calling for uh, no children, I think it is 16, to have access to Facebook. Uh, and there's some pushback <laughs> to that. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's, that's actually an excellent idea. You know, when these social media platforms were first launched, um, the, the, the standard line from Facebook and, and executives there was this isn't a product that was designed for kids. It's not meant for kids. Kids shouldn't be on these platforms because they don't have the discernment. They don't have the life experience to be able to understand that, you know, what they're seeing on screen is not necessarily reality. Uh, that they're seeing sort of a curated version of somebody else's life. Um, and so kids see, you know, photos of, of people who look like they're living their best lives and they're comparing their lives with what they're seeing online and they don't have the, the life experience to, be right. able to understand, well, that this is not the reality. Um, but more than that, you know, they, 
There, I, I was just reading a heartbreaking story yesterday about a teenage boy, a high school athlete, who um, fell into a, a sextortion scheme by some uh, scammer from Nigeria. He took over a woman's account and started chatting with this boy online. Uh, the boy sent explicit photos of himself, and immediately uh, the scammer was trying to get extort money from him. Um, and then the boy sent him some money, and then they kept trying to get more and more money out of him, and, and then the boy ended up killing himself. I'm, I saw that story. Heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And also, I don't think a lot of people realize how much money, as you point out in your piece that you did for The Hill, that social media companies make in terms of advertising from minors. You have a, a, a statistic here that's shocking. Over $11, 11 billion. billion in 2022 from minors. Right. And that's that's why they are so reluctant to give up this market or to do anything really meaningful to, to pre- prevent kids from engaging on these platforms is because it is such a lucrative audience. And there's so much money for them to be had um, by marketing this content to kids. And, you know, we, we've only really so far today talked about the, the social aspects of social media. And what we haven't touched on is the way um, major media corporations like HBO or Disney or uh, Paramount or some of these other companies are using social media to, to market other kinds of inappropriate content to kids, mm-hmm. too. Um, I know we, you and I, we've talked about The Idol. We've talked about Euphoria. Well, HBO mm-hmm. uses TikTok. They use Instagram to market these shows with all their awful, tawdry content, all their anti uh, anti-family messages, all their you know pro-drug, pro um, you know sexual perversion messages. They're they're using these platforms to market those shows to kids to make sure that kids watch those programs. Yeah, I was just interviewing one of our um, Catholic psychologists, Moni <clears throat> W. Tan, who said that social media is what's forming our kids today. Most of the kids out there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's scary. It really is. Yeah. So, what is going to happen at this hearing next week? Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I know that there are a lot of folks on the Senate Judiciary Committee who are really um, concerned about this issue. You know, you know Senator Hawley has been mm-hmm. very vocal on this. Senator Blackburn has been very vocal on this. Um, there are a number of people in the Senate that care very deeply about this issue. But what we really need to have happen is enough talking, and we need some action. We need, we need some of these votes that I mentioned earlier. COSA or the kids, uh, the Child's uh, Online Privacy Protection Act, they need to come to the floor for a vote. Um, they've been delayed and delayed and delayed, and uh, it's, it's time for them to stop talking and start acting. So how much closer are they to acting on these measures, do you think? <clears throat> well, we know uh, at least six months ago uh, they passed out of committee, and so it was just a matter of scheduling it for a floor vote, um, and it, it was never scheduled for a floor vote. Um, so um, one one action that your listeners could take would be to reach out to um, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and, and urge him to schedule uh, these bills so that they can be voted on this session. Yeah, absolutely. And give us your website, too, because you have so much information, not only on what's happening, but how to protect children, because obviously we can't sit around and wait for these laws to be enacted. We have to be aware. We have to be involved. We have to be proactive to make sure we're protecting our, our children and, and, and ourselves from, from harm from, from technology in terms of the way it can influence us. What's your website? ParentsTV.org. And you can also uh, learn more by following some of our social pages, ironically. Yeah. Well, you know, social media can be used wisely, and it has to be balanced, but it's, it's so out of control where kids are just on the phones now. I think, what is it, over five hours a day? Twelve and a half hours is what we're all using media in terms of the number. I think that's probably pretty accurate. And, but kids are on their phones at least half of that time, which is, which is pretty scary. Melissa, it sounds like you have what I had, so take it easy. Thank you for joining us and, and being a trooper. And, again, we will put a link to Melissa's article that she posted on the Hill, which is very good because it has a lot of information in there. It was posted on the 18th of January, so just a few days ago. Big Tech is preying on children for profit, and Congress needs to stop it. And she highlights some of the efforts that she talked about this morning, but also what's going to happen at this hearing next week. And she reminds us that we need to reach out to our congressional leaders and let them know we want some action. Enough talk. We need to have them put their money where their mouth is. And again, the Parents TV Council is a great resource. Up next, we go to Rome with Joan Lewis. Today is, speaking of media, on the good side, the Feast of 
St. Francis de Sales, the patron saint of journalists and Catholic journalists as well. We'll be right back. on the radio with us you can catch our program as well radio program but also on jim and joy at home with jim and joy where she gives reports on what's happening as she does here joan lewis jones rome at wordpress.com okay so today is january 24th we have the audience today but also for the two of us this is an important feast day saint francis de sales who's a patron saint for journalists especially catholic journalists good morning good afternoon Good morning. Yeah, well, every year on the January January 24th feast day of St. Francis de Sales, that's when the Pope's Communications Day message comes uh, comes out. And this year, his message, he kind of talked about the same thing that he did in his um, January 1st World Day of Peace message, and it's all about AI, artificial intelligence. And, of course, you and I already know all we all all that we or some of our listeners have to do is go online to learn how artificial intelligence can produce a story that may not, you know, have its roots in fact, et cetera, et cetera, in, in official sources. So the Pope warns about the uh, the artificial intelligence being used for uh, – we have to start with our heart is what he really said. We have to look at um, – <clears throat> We have to look at stories. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. We have to cultivate wisdom, as he says, in the heart. Um, wisdom of the heart in the age of artificial intelligence. And um, no, he really does warn about this. And it's pretty much for me the first two paragraphs of his message that really indicate where he wants to go with artificial intelligence. How well we have to have the wisdom, the judicial ability in the first place to reach any one of us to know when what is coming out is artificial intelligence or, as I said earlier, something from a, a an official source and mm-hmm. linked to the truth, not you know, not fake news. But um, so the Pope said, as he said in January about AI, he said this is radically affecting the world of information and communication, and through that, certain foundations of life in society, saying that these changes affect everyone. So how do we remain fully human and guide this cultural transformation to serve a good purpose? And that's where he says it's got to start with the heart. And he said, and he goes to the Bible for this, he said, the heart is seen as the place of freedom and decision-making, symbolizing integrity and unity while also engaging our emotions, desires, and dreams. And he said, above all, naturally, and you're certainly going to find this in the, in the Bible, the heart is, above all, the mm-hmm. inward place of our encounter with God. And it's got to be wisdom of the heart that enables us to integrate the whole and its parts so that we can work so where there is the uh, AI, he said, we ha- we can't look at the wisdom that comes from machines, but rather the wisdom that comes from our, our hearts. And he, he pointed right to the word, which is, can be so misleading, and that's the word intelligence. Mm-hmm. He said artificial intelligence has replaced the term machine learning. And he said, so the use of the word intelligence itself can prove misleading. So we just have to, we have to know where and how to find the truth. And Mm -hmm. Teresa, it's something you and I say every Wednesday. It can be one, you know, on a papal audience, what he's teaching. It can be a papal document that comes out that, that, um, you know, might confound us with its message. We simply have to know where to go for the truth. Mm-hmm. And so that nothing is artificial, intelligence or otherwise. So a very important message, and everybody can find his whole message. It's, it's in, uh, I think, seven different languages, and it's all online. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you could just even Google World Communications Day Statement. Just go to Vatican News, and also Catholic News Agency has a 
a report on it, and I know you have a, a summary on it as well. And and where he talked yeah. about the the effect it has on relationships, it's a here's a quote: AI becomes perverse when it distorts our relationship with others and with reality. This is something exactly. I think that we see happening more and more. I was just talking about this with the head of the Parents Television and Media Council in the previous segment, where young people especially are think, seeing things online that they think is real, and it's not. It's, it's AI, it's, it's an image, it's false, and, and they're getting depressed because they want their lives to be what they think it should be according to false information on the Internet. So it's just, it's just happened so fast. If you look, Joan, where we were even 20, 30 years ago, even in the way we report yeah. the news now and the technology ha- as it's changed, sure. which in a lot of ways is great and you know, there's, there's balance there, but we have to be so careful, so careful. Well, I, again, we have to we have to know the source, mm-hmm. and we have to know what the truth is. And I just would always like to, you know, I'd love to talk to young people and say, okay, now how much of your information about life and your, you know, what you're studying in school and relationships do you get online, you know, from social media? And obviously, you're going to find out it's a great amount. But one of my questions is always. Okay, now someone who's just, you know, there's just someone who has their own Facebook page or, or Instagram or something, and it's photos and a couple of words or might be a long statement. But why would you trust someone like that who, who does not have, for example, a position, a position in academia or, or some other kind of a title? Why would you just trust someone out there that you don't even know or know anything about them more than you would um, your teachers, your mom, your dad, your official sources. So they can't always, young people can't always answer that. They just find someone else who speaks their language, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. uh, more interesting than something that might not be their language, but it might be official. And um, as the Pope said, too, he said, you've got to know that in the wrong hands, such tools could lead to disturbing scenarios so and then he pointed out regulation of itself is not sufficient you if there's regulations out there and i'm sure you know news medias and big companies everybody's working with artificial intelligence and i hope soon to have a um actually a radio interview with a priest no time to go into all the details today but a priest at the gregorian university who's um been named to several important um, international artificial intelligence organizations, Fabio mm. Benanti. And so, very, very interesting story. Yeah. So, I will obviously br- bring up this message and then uh, also the, the Pope's January 1st World Day of Peace message. Well, let's no. talk about no. the papal remarks to journalists, to, to uh, Vatican journalists and other journalists, uh, in regarding how they cover abuse scandals. That was very interesting, especially with the translation. Well, you know, it, it was, uh, of course, today is the, you know, patron of, as we said earlier, the patron saint of, of communicators, and Monday mm-hmm. was just a few days before this feast day, and that's when the Pope received 150 of the several hundred journalists belonging to the Vaticanisti Association, journalists accredited to the Holy See. And in part of his speech, the Pope said something that, it really almost depended, Teresa, on whose translation of it you were reading um, of the Pope's speech. And these were all journalists there. They probably they had their phones on and everything else, and then later got a copy of the Pope's remarks. But actually, the remarks that he did make concerning their coverage um, of scandals in the Church, the remarks he made were off the cuff. And so I went on several different sites, and then I found Agencia, which is an agency linked to the um, Bishops' Conference of, of Italy, uh, a very reliable agent, agency. Its reporter wrote, wrote down or had recorded the words that the Pope said, and I will translate those in England, so the, uh, into English. The Pope said, I would like to add in praising their work and telling them, you know, how they should approach uh, seeking out the truth and telling the truth about uh, church life, church teachings. He said, I would like to add the delicacy that you often have in speaking about scandals in the church. Now, remember, this is off the cuff. He said, there are some 
referring to scandals. And many times I have seen in you a great delicacy, a respect, an almost, shall I say, shameful silence. And so he was talking about, you know, the attitude of journalists when talking about scandal news. Well, actually, some of the journalists were almost scandalized. What does he mean by that? Is he praising us for quote unquote shameful silence? Those, those, that's actually the word that he used. Vergognoso. Un silencio vergognoso. A silent, excuse me, a shameful silence. So, um, the thing is, it was a tweet that went viral after the audience by the uh, Wall Street journalist, uh, Frank Rocco, whom I've known for years, um, in which the Pope, the tweet said the Pope thanked the press corps for the delicacy which you often use when speaking about scandals in the church. There are so many, and I've seen you with delicacy, and um, he comes the closest to it. I've seen you with a great delicacy, respect, almost, I would say, shameful silence. And then other translations, oh, I think it was the Vatican News, called it abashed, A-B-A-S-H-E-D, an abashed silence, when the Pope actually said vergognoso, which means shameful. So um, the, the media, the members of the media itself, weren't really quite sure if the Pope was praising them for being silent about scandals, or was he praising them for being, uh, for not promoting for not listing in mm-hmm. great detail some of the uh, abuse particulars that might, you know, mislead people or just details that would sound like they were out, out of some kind of, yeah. you know, uh, bad magazine. <laughs> so, well, it, like a tabloid or a National Enquirer or something. Tabloid, but again, yeah. this is a, we've talked about this before. You have to watch what you say on the open mic, yeah. and you have to and, and you know beware the open mic. The mic is always open. Everything you know what I'm saying when you're in a room with people right. like that from your position. And I think he meant that he was grateful that they handled it respectfully. That's what I got from it. Maybe I'm just, you know, oh, I mean. The basics, yes. Yeah, if I only, yeah. You're right. If I yeah. only had to describe his off-the-cuff words in one sentence, that's exactly what I would have said. But the thing is, so much of the media, did they went with the full remark, thus creating a little bit of a doubt in, mm-hmm. in some people's minds about uh, misconduct or uh, imprudent behavior behavior and so forth so and again um, there was no follow-up from the vatican press office right any clarifications well that's the whole problem Teresa. Mm-hmm. how many times mm-hmm. wouldn't you love to have a dollar for every time you and i have said that <laughs> where the holy father will say something uh, off the cuff which leads to if 50 people have listened to it you may have 49 different opinions of what right. he what he said off the cuff and um I, I think it's it is a problem for some people. We have to do our best, and I certainly agree with your take on it. If only the the journalist had. But the thing is, the journalist who had recorded it quoted his words, and, and so he did talk about uh, shameful silence. And what does that mean, shameful silence? Anyway, um, I know the pillar had a, a very good take on this entire speech and. It ended by saying, in a church in which telling the truth can be seen as an act of rebellion or disobedience, pontifical praise for silence on the moral crisis of abuse was never likely to land well. And, of Mm -hmm. course, several of the journalists did, in a reference, speak of Father Rupnik, you know, the Mm -hmm. Jesuit who... Uh, the whole scandal with Father Rupnik and the abuse of women religious, and nothing's happened to him so far. Um, there were other scandals where people have been, Vatican people, bishops, etc., have been more or less, shall we say, more protected. So um, when the Pope says uh, shameful silence, um, you know, then no, it raises want. eyebrows, and, and, and for good sure. reason. Yeah, absolutely. Joan, yeah. out of time, but great description of not only the oh. audience and, of course, the message uh, from the Holy Father, but also for Communications Day, but also on the uh, translation issue, which comes up again and again, and we're glad we have you there. Speaking of great sources, to sort it all out. 
You get the uh, week off next week as we'll be on the Good News Cruise, Marriage Cruise, but we'll talk to you the following week, our very own Joni Jones-Rome, wordpress.com. Check it out. We'll be right back on a Wednesday. Stay tuned. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is literally and wholly present, body and blood, soul and divinity, under the appearances of bread and wine. St. John the Apostle records the John chapter 6 Bread of Life discourse in which Jesus states that His flesh is true food and His blood true drink. Who better to understand John's writings and subsequent teachings than a disciple and student of John, St. Ignatius of Antioch? In his letter to the Smyrnians in 110 A.D., Ignatius writes, I have no taste for corruptible food, nor for the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And for drink, I desire His blood, which is love incorruptible. The Catholic Church absolutely follows St. John and St. Ignatius in taking Jesus at His word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is faithforensics.org. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Appreciate your listenership. Of course, tomorrow it's a Thursday, so that means we have cultural connections with the one, the only, Father Mitch Pacwa. And also taking a look at the life and the dedication of Maximilian Kolbe, another media priest. Talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.